Welcome to the Review Name Podcast. I am, as always, Jordan. With me on the show today, we have Rachel. Hello. And Sam. Hello. We've got a big show today. We're going to talk about some news that's been going on in pop culture the last week. We're going to talk about our TV backlog for the summer now that the TV season is slowing down a bit. And we're going to discuss Man of Steel, the new Superman movie. So stick with us throughout the hour, and we should have a pretty good show, I think. Um, why don't we get right to it, and I'll kick over to you, Sam, to start our news roundup. Sure. Our uh, first news story of the week, which is very important to me, who is a big Disney World fan, in addition to a big Star Wars fan. Uh, Disney is rumored, and this has been something that's kind of been an inevitability since, I think, Disney acquired uh, Star Wars, that there will be a uh, Star Wars land and a Cars land, but we don't care so much about Cars. There there's will be a Star Wars land. California anyway. Yeah. There's <laughs> gonna be nobody Star cares Wars about land. California, Jordan. Uh, <laughs> Disney World will get a Star Wars land at Disney Hollywood Studios. Uh, and I think the rumored year for it is 2018, but these things tend to take longer. Yeah. Because you're building a lot of theme park whole lot of theme park to put together. Um, so from what I've read, it looks like they're they're going to build it sort of around Star Tours that already exists, um, which I think will also be updated again for the new movies. Um, there's going to be a Most Lively Cantina and a lot of other like areas, but not necessarily a whole lot of Star Wars related rides is what I was reading. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they're probably I wouldn't be surprised if there's like maybe two more rides. Yeah, if they can uh, come up with like a new like roller coaster type thing around the new movie, that would be yeah. nice probably. And then they've got I'd hope, hopefully they don't do another sim ride because I think having Star Tours is enough, and I feel like they're kind of easy to do. Yeah, like they're, they're kind of just like, well, we'll put a screen in front of them and shake them around a lot. Right. That's a ride, right? Done. Um. So I don't know if either of you has been on the newer Star Tours, like the once they have, updated yeah. it. What did you think of that? Uh, I didn't think it was particularly good. I I, I did it just once. Um, I still think Star Tours has one of the best, if not the best, uh, queues in Disney World because they have all this really cool stuff going on. They have C-3PO and R2-D2. Um, so it's a cool line. Um I was always I was always a huge fan of the original Star Tours when I was a kid. I liked the kind of goofy robot they had, um, and I like adding C three PO. But I don't know something about it this time. It it felt a little flat. Maybe it felt like a little quick to me. I don't uh, know if the ride I don't know if the ride was actually any shorter, but it felt that way. Yeah, I have to say um, I've been like a lifelong Disneyland pass holder, um, and I love Disneyland, and I've loved Star Tours. I think like the premise of the original Star Tours ride is great. The whole tour to Endor that goes awry is awesome, and I haven't been on the ride except the one time since they updated it because I thought it was dumb. Um, a, I think, why would they add the prequel stuff to the ride when no one likes the prequels? Um, and B, it's... Well, I think... Go ahead. I think people do like the prequels. They're just little kids who are stupid. I guess that's true. And I mean, and those movies, and those movies made a lot of money. You know, that's why they have, they have Cars Land. You go, well, why would they have Cars Land? It's so stupid. But they I also I understand why they'd have Cars Land because like, I understand why they have Cars Land for the same reason I understand why they have Star Wars Land or any other land they want to do. Like when they have a Bug's Life Land at California Adventure, I get it. Um, it's a big tentpole movie for their 
you know, well, for Pixar, but Pixar and Disney together. And Cars was incredibly successful. Uh, so were the prequels, sure. But I don't know. I don't feel like Star Tours has gotten any more popular from my seeing the line, at least, uh, since they updated it. I obviously don't have any data on this. Um, but um, I know I've well, gone I think, less. I think it's kind of been like a steady popular ride just because star wars will always be popular i think it especially just, especially now that they're going to be cultivating it and releasing these movies and they're going to roll out all of this different stuff between tv shows and video games in addition to the usual uh you know action figure lunchbox thing i think star wars is still going to be very much in the public conscious oh yeah and there's going to be there's going to be a new generation. There's, I mean, there was always going to be a new generation of Star Wars fans because even when we were little kids and there wasn't, there wasn't the prequels on the horizon necessarily. You know, we all liked it. We all rode Star Tours. So just the fact that they have the prequels now, which I think a lot of little kids liked a lot, and and that they're going to have these new movies out, I feel like it's a it's a franchise that will be cultivated and there will be there will be long lines. I assure you. Uh, and new start uh, in the new Star Wars land. I wasn't crazy about uh, Star Tours. I think not just because of the prequels, but because they sort of threw out the plot of the of the ride, and it became very episodic, as I recall. Uh, it was just sort of like, let's see this area from the prequels, and this one, and that one. Well, I think they did that because the way they they redesigned the ride, which I think was kind of a cool idea, was that you don't necessarily do the same thing every time. So right. you have like different, you go to different parts of the star Wars universe in different, in different eras, which I guess doesn't really make sense, but I, I I'll allow that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Does, the ride doesn't have to match continuity. Yeah. If the, the, the line doesn't have to have necessarily a linear narrative. Um, <laughs> uh, I like, I mean, I like, I like some things about it. I just felt the, the, the actual ride itself wasn't so great. I liked what was around it. I thought they did so many things. I liked having C3PO in there, even though I found, the random droid from the previous Star Tour is kind of charming in his anonymity. Yeah, I love um, I love the random droid. Um, um, I I also like. I mean, ha, have you done the one in Disney World, the new one in Disney World, or just the one in Disneyland? I mean, uh, I assume they're exactly the same. I don't think I did Disney. I've been to Disney World since it opened. I do not think I did the new Star Tours because okay. I hate the new Star Tours. <laughs> well, um, you can tell me if they did. I'm sure they did this in Disneyland too. Um, but they. They kind of have like a little storyline where I guess uh, there's like you have a hidden Jedi warrior or something. Yes. And they like have like a little kid or whatever. Yeah, that was, and that was fun. I think they added a lot That's of good. Things I thought that was like a, a good idea. I thought that was kind of charming. Yeah, let's. I mean, let's be clear. I do not think New Star Tours is a flaming abortion or anything. Like, it was a fine no, yeah. ride. I think. It, I think my biggest problem was like the stuff happening on the screen, which is you know the bulk of it. It's like eighty yeah. percent of it. But, uh, but I like everything around Star Tours, and you know, hopefully they'll update it after the new movie. But I assume an update of that will probably mean they take you to locales in the new movie and kind of add that as a possibility to ride. Um, I think it's fine. It's not. It's not the best ride in in Disney World. It's not the best ride in Disney Hollywood Studios. I think to kind of get into more like Disney World inside baseball here. I think Disney Hollywood Studios is actually a good park that's just kind of been underdeveloped. Um, I think I think Animal Kingdom is the worst park, just because there's like so much space for animals and like very little space for everything kingdom. else. <laughs> yes, for the kingdom, if you will. Um, we can't even put the castle anywhere. There are too many animals. But I think I think Disney Hollywood Studios has like a number of good rides. They have the Great Movie Ride, which is like 
a secret favorite of mine, even though it's kind of old and hokey. <laughs> um, uh, it also has Tower of Terror and Rock and Roller Coaster right next to each other, and those are both excellent rides uh, for different reasons, but they're excellent rides. So I think I think expanding Disney Hollywood Studios with these two lands and hopefully Cars Land at least gives us a good ride or something. I mean, I don't, I haven't really. I actually haven't been to Cars Land even in California Adventure, which, See, like I said, I, I I'm around. I just haven't gone yet. I'm not sure if, if Cars Land was open yet the last time we went together, so I don't think... It I mean, wasn't. It, it just yeah, opened, okay. like, I think six or eight months ago to the point See, where I go fairly regularly and I haven't been yet because I've been off at school. I'm not sure if it's, like, a more kiddie-driven thing. I think there's one roller coaster, but I think it's, like, a kid-style tame roller coaster. Okay. Like, I okay. think it's, like, the Cars race and you go fast but not that fast. Yeah. Uh, which is fine. I, I, I've i heard it's actually pretty, uh, I think my mom described it as cute, which, uh, cool. <laughs> I hear fine. I hear it's, like, well-realized, basically. Um, yeah. uh, I will go at some point this summer because I need to renew my pass. Um, and I'm sure I will go to Cars Land and I'll check it out. I'm sure it will be fine. Um, rarely do I outright hate anything Disney does. I think you and I have talked about this before when we've gone to other theme parks, Sam. Disney does environments better than just about anybody. Um, at, just like we were talking about the Star Tours queue, when they build a, an environment, when they build a line, I think they go all out and they make it, they, you know, it's, it's almost like you're walking through the set, which is great. Yeah. Uh, and... so the idea of them building out, uh, Cars Land as they have, and the idea of them building out a Star Wars land, I imagine it will be beautiful to behold, even if it's not that many rides and fairly small, because they really put the money into it, put the time into it and the care into making these things look real and look cool. Aren't yeah. they also doing a Wizarding World Hollywood now? Uh, well, that's Universal Studios. No, yes. Universal Studios, I think, is expanding their Harry Potter. They're uh, adding, uh, like, Gringotts and stuff, I think, right? I don't know. I read uh, that. That's also a story, Rachel, definitely. Um, yeah, I, they're making you, like, ride a train to get to another park because their park is so shittily laid out. There, and, Yeah, um, that park is terribly laid out. Um, I went to Wizarding World when it first opened a couple years ago. Um, and, and Universal Studios down there is, is a train wreck. It's not, it's not much better in, uh, in Hollywood, to be honest. I think it's, they're, they're just mostly train wreck laid out well, parts. I'll give, I'll give, um, Wizarding World credit. It looks really nice, but it's like the most impractical park I've ever been it's to. It's incredibly small too, which is probably a good idea that they're well, expanding it. Yeah, well, it is yeah, definitely good that they're expanding for crowd control. Yeah, from what I'm hearing, they're expanding in, in Florida and putting some stuff up in in California, too, right? I Full disclosure on this. I think they're adding one. Uh, go full ahead. disclosure on this conversation. I have never been to Disney World or Disneyland, and I have never seen the Star, World, Star Wars prequels. Wait. So I'm kind of useless on all of um, this. That you've never seen the prequels is sort of beautiful, I think. <laughs> You should just stay there. <laughs> but it's equally it's as equally ugly that you haven't been to Disney World or Disneyland. Yeah, That's probably why you're angry all the time. <laughs> yeah, that that explains your entire personality, I think. I think I went to Disney World when I was like four or five. I can't well, really remember. Well, um, Rachel, yeah. I think we should do a review named Staff Retreat when they open the new Star Tours Land, Star Wars <laughs> Land, in like five years. I don't like roller coasters. If there is still, if there is still a podcast, if there is still, if you're still alive, which is I think touch and go at this point. And we should we should definitely do a, a review named Staff Retreat, and we'll do a live podcast, not from in the park, because I think we would be immediately arrested. I think we'll do a live podcast from the top of Tower of Terror. <laughs> it'll be a, a two minute long podcast, and it'll be <laughs> Rachel screaming. Uh, um, 
I am I am like 90% joking, but hey, if the podcast is still around in 2018, maybe we'll all go and we can do a podcast from Florida and talk about the, the park. That would be fun. Who that knows? I'll fun. be rich in 2018, right? That's so far in the future. Oh, yeah, right. You'll have lawyer money, right? We'll, we'll drive down there in our hover cars. And... I'll, have, I'll have lawyer money, but also still lawyer debt. Uh, but <laughs> I imagine we might be able to work out a Disney World trip, especially because last time I went, I was uh, I was only there for like two days. Uh well, three, but we did uh, Disney, like Magic Kingdom, because I wanted to compare it to Disneyland and Epcot. So I haven't done Hollywood Studios. I haven't done Animal Kingdom. Um, so it will be you nice. Do Hollywood Studios because they got they got Muppet Vision 3D. I have that at California Adventure. Um, so my Muppet Vision 3D is satisfied. Uh, I go on that ride, uh, not really a ride. I go to that show, uh, an obscene amount, which actually is a great to transition into our next story. Um, so why don't we do that now? And talk about the Muppets. Uh, there are two, really, uh, if, if we're being honest, non-stories about the Muppets. But everyone on this podcast, and really, I think everyone that writes for Review Named, loves the Muppets uh, an insane amount. And Anyone so, I would ever consider speaking to loves the Muppets an insane yeah, amount. Yeah, I, I basically automatically have a problem <laughs> with any person who's like, I don't like the Muppets. And I know them. Um, in fact, one staff member who uh, occasionally writes for the site does not like the Muppets. Um, but I think it's mostly a lack of exposure. So maybe at some point we'll change that. And I, I, I won't name names because I don't want to shame this person. Um, you should. When they're not here to defend themselves. It's neither of you two, obviously, because you're right-thinking Americans. But uh, two sort of Muppet stories that will give us a chance to talk about how much we love the Muppets for a minute. Uh, first, the Muppet movie, which was originally going to be called The Muppets Again um, in a, a fit of sequel titling apathy i guess uh, <laughs> is now going to be slightly more creatively titled the muppets most wanted uh the film for those of you who don't know is going to be a european set caper which makes it sound almost exactly like the great muppet caper <laughs> um which is fine since i love the great muppet caper although a little strange since they already made that movie but ricky gervais will be there tina fey will be there um obviously a lot of other cool celebrity cameos brett mckenzie is returning to write the music which is great um Basically, there's going to be another Muppet movie, and if it's half as good as The Great Muppet Caper, which I love to death, then I will probably also love it to death. Um, what do you guys think about that before we go into the other half of the story? I think it's definitely a better title. The Muppets, again, kind of sounds like like someone complaining about there being another Muppets movie. I... It's like, The Muppets again? <laughs> Come <laughs> um, on. <laughs> Well, I think there's something kind of charming in the fact that it's like the Muppets again when it is a plot that sounds a lot like the Great Muppet Caper. Virtually exactly. I mean, like, I think the movie is set around a thief that looks like Kermit is, if I recall correctly, and he's like stealing things and Kermit, which also uh, keep in mind, there's a prison sequence in Great Muppet Caper. Um, so, yeah, pretty much I think it's going to be the same movie, but that's OK. Uh, I love the Great Muppet Caper. I love the Great Muppet Caper to death. The baseball diamond, come on. That's that's like one of the greatest old hacky vaudeville bits the Muppets ever came up with, I think. Um, Charles Grodin is amazing in it, and his like his being in love with Miss Piggy is one of the greatest running gags, <laughs> again, in all of Muppets. Um, I think the Muppet movie, as I've gotten older, has become my favorite, but when I was a kid, the great Muppet came yeah, definitely top of the barrel, and it is still uh, a great, great movie. It's got the, well, the Busby Berkeley sequence. Yeah, Muppet, they, they had great... Uh... Muppet, uh, the Great Muppet Caper had really good action, so I think that's probably why I liked it more when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and it was, I mean, they had they had really good music in there too. I loved all the hotel 
bits they had and Kermit. I remember, I very distinctly remember watching Kermit shave. Yep. Uh, getting ready. I think he had a date with Miss Piggy or something. Yeah. And uh, Miss Piggy broke into a, uh, Oh yeah, that was fantastic. And it was John Cleese in there, right? That was right. great. I mean, every, basically everything about, Oh yeah, it was John Cleese in there. It wasn't, I don't, I don't think Diana Riggs house, but she's won her way into Diana Riggs, uh, employ. Which also, oh, yeah. Diane Brigg was in the movie, so how awesome was that? <laughs> yeah, she was in that. She was, um, she, she was, was, she was some snob, I yeah, remember, right? She was right? the lady that Miss Piggy was working for. She was a fashion, uh, model yes, or, yeah. or whatever she was. Um, and Charles Grodin was her brother, and it was great. Like, it was just a great movie. John Cleese was there. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, um, The Muppets, uh, Most Wanted has big shoes to fill, but... I just want more Muppets in my life. I'm excited that there's going to be another movie. And like I said, if it's half as good as Muppet Caper, we'll be happy. Um, yeah, I think Muppets is a movie I'm probably... I'm probably happier that there is, like, a second life and that there's hopefully going to be another generation of Muppet fans just because it's been so long since, you know, Muppet... You know, we had we at least had Muppet Babies when we were kids. That was first run. And, you know, um, Muppets Tonight was on when we were yes, still yes, young, which they actually, I, I haven't seen since childhood, but I remember being think, being great. Um, well, I was so excited because I watched reruns of The Muppet Show, and then they right. were coming out with this new Muppet Show, basically, which yeah, was incredibly exciting. Because it was, like, my version of The Muppet Show as a kid. It was right. new Muppet episodes uh, every Friday night, I think it was. Yeah, um, and then they took it away from us. It, but I loved it when it when it was on. I would love to see the Muppets become successful enough that they're carrying a TV show again. I know there's there's a British production actually right now that's like a, a puppet game show with the Jim Henson Company. Yeah, uh, I mean it's not it's I don't think it's Muppets necessarily. It's just um, the Jim Henson Company and they're doing it with puppets. Right. So with, they're doing uh, it with his puppets. So uh, I'd like I'd like the Jim Henson Company to continue to be successful. I'd like the Muppets to return to prominence. Um, hopefully. This will be part of that. This will hearken uh, a new era, like you said, of Muppet fans. Um, which I guess we should transition into the other half of the story, which is, again, not really a story, but a chance for us to talk about Muppets, is um, there's been a test show for the Muppets to have a Broadway musical in the next uh, who knows how many years. Um, this is just getting off the ground. There's almost nothing on it yet, but the idea that the Muppets could be taking Broadway is a very exciting one to me. Um Especially because that's also the premise of a Muppet movie from the 80s. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of it not being a Broadway musical, though, but like a gritty Broadway drama. <laughs> like like Muppets do The Dollhouse by Ibsen or something. Like, I would really, I think that would be yeah, fantastic. I, I think it'd be pretty great if they just had a Muppet repertory. Uh, <laughs> repertory, rather. Where um, it's like... These for these six weeks, the Muppets will be doing "Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf" with uh, <laughs> Kermit and Piggy. Yeah. Oh, how sad. The Muppets do the War of the Roses. <laughs> Tell me you wouldn't see like every single classic play with Muppets starring. I that would be would great. Absolutely, see every single one of those, and it would be fantastic. But I guess I'll also see a Muppet musical. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. This is we're not the right test group for this. Like, Muppets, <laughs> yeah, we'll be there. <laughs> It would be fantastic. Um, so that's, yeah, another, like I said, not really story, because there's not really any details yet, except this may be a thing someday. If it is, you can be sure we will talk about it again, because as is clear from this segment, we'll do a Muppet story about pretty much anything. 
And I mean, Mary Poppins closed. So I'm sure that Disney is looking to bring something else to stage. Um, and especially if it can lead into, you know, a big Muppet movie, I think that a Muppet play is just the way to do it. Uh, I mean, I don't know how well marketing wise being on Broadway would cross promote a movie, but I'll take your word for it. Why not? <laughs> uh, or po- possibly vice versa, because I imagine it'll take a while to get a, a full scale Muppet musical off the ground. Um, so maybe people lead into the musical, which might make more sense, because then you can, you know, all the kids go see the movie, and then they're in New York, and they're like, let's go see the Muppets, or I don't know. I have Did no you guys idea. know that Rocky was being made into a musical? Oof. Yes. I, I did not know that. that. That's Oof. fantastic. I would say it's upsetting, except it's not, because I will ignore it. <laughs> oh, never mind on the Disney needing another stage production. Apparently they're making Aladdin into a show that's going to pre- premiere at the New Amsterdam in 2014. They already, they already did that, though. Yeah, Aladdin was a show that aired in uh, a theater in California Adventure for a while. I mean, it wasn't like a full-scale show, obviously. No, no, no. no. I mean, I think they had a Broadway show. Oh, did they? Uh, I think so. Because I know, like, I've seen Aladdin stage before, but not, like, as a lavish Broadway production. Yeah, there's... Hold on. We are holding on. The listeners are waiting with bated breath to see if Disney is retreading themselves, because this would be the first time that's ever happened. I love that Disney doesn't even need to do anything new anymore. It's just like, okay, let's just put that old one back on stage and well, everyone like, will see uh, them. In the late 90s, early 2000s, when it was like, oh, you guys like The Lion King? Here's The Lion King 2 and Pocahontas 2 and Aladdin Aladdin 2 and 3 were actually, well, 2 was actually like a decent movie. Um, and Dan Castellaneta played the uh, genie, which was cool. Uh, All right, maybe not. Maybe there wasn't. I could have sworn they had already done a Broadway version of Aladdin, but I guess I was wrong. Making shit up again, Sam. Misinforming yeah. our listeners like you do every week. Yeah, on purpose, which is the worst part of it. Yeah, I know. You just come in and you're like, what am I going to make up this week and try to convince people it's true? <laughs> um, okay, well, I think we can wrap up the news segments with that. So uh, Star Wars Land, going to be a thing. Look out for that couple new Muppet projects to look out for. Um, with that, Rach, I want to kick it to you, and we'll talk about uh, our TV backlogs for the summer. Ah, uh, yes. So TV, TV has ended. I feel like <laughs> my life has ended, and it's terrible. Um, there are, Jordan, as Jordan helpfully pointed out before we started recording, there are a couple of episodes of Hannibal left. There are a couple of episodes of Mad Men left. There are some television shows that, you know, pop up in the summer, but it's never really the same. So I feel like all of us TV lovers have to supplement with um, a really serious backlog. And sometimes this is, you know, stuff we just didn't get to during the year because we were busy or stuff we like to, for me personally, it's stuff that we like to return to. Um, I God, if you say the name of the show <laughs> that I know you're going to say, I'm going to reach through the computer and punch you in the face. <laughs> uh, shut up, Jordan. Um So for this segment, I wanted to talk through what everybody plans to um, use to occupy those long, hot summer hours when we can't even think about going outside. Uh, Or maybe that's just D.C. where it's a swamp. But um, but yeah, Jordan, how about you kick us off with what you are looking to cover? Because I know you have a quite long backlog. It's maddeningly long and growing ever longer. Right now, I am finally wrapping up. I, I've put it off and put it off uh, for various reasons, one of which is I've never loved it. Uh, well, that's not true. I haven't loved the last few seasons of it as much as uh, I love the first season, as much as I think a lot of people have loved it. The other being I heard the last season wasn't successful. I am finishing watching season three of Downton Abbey right now. Um, mm-hmm. And 
I gotta oh, say, it got pretty bad. <laughs> um, so I will be glad to have that out from under me. That was that was my first thing. Um, well, that was my my most recent thing, I should say. I've, I'm basically always trying to work through a TV backlog, but once I get that out of the way, I'm also uh, one of my long-term projects is running through classic era Doctor Who. I am uh, watching the second Doctor, uh, Patrick Trotton, right now. Um, so he's always sort of running through the background whenever I'm between shows or whenever I have uh, time to fit in an episode or two of old Doctor Who. Um, but for the most part this summer, I want to take advantage of the chance to catch up on a lot of 2012, 2013 shows, modern and you know current shows that I have not been watching or that I haven't been keeping current with. Um, the biggest thing for me, I really want to watch The Americans. I really want to watch uh, Orphan Black. So those are those are maybe the two biggest shows. I've seen the first season of New Girl. I hear season two was drastically better. I like season one a whole lot. Um, so I'm probably gonna try to catch up on New Girl. And then there's there's about a million and a half uh, sort of smaller uh, foreign and genre shows that have been piling up. Uh, Maureen Ryan did an excellent piece the other day uh, that I tweeted about. So if you follow me on Twitter, check that out. Uh, if not. Go find Maureen Ryan's recent piece on what she calls B-Movie TV. But she listed about probably about 10 shows, a few of which are already on my radar, including uh, Top of the Lake with Elizabeth Moss. Um, a few That's of which, on my list. That's on my list too, Jordan. Yeah, a few of which I hadn't even really paid attention to before beyond hearing it. Um, but I'm going to try to get through as, as much as I can in terms of shows that are on right now that I either haven't given a chance or haven't had time to give a chance yet. Um, and hopefully, even though I also have obviously a healthy movie and every other aspect of pop culture backlog to get through. Hopefully this will be a very productive summer for me TV wise. Um, so we can sort of bounce back and forth on some of those, but for now I'll leave it there and I guess we can move on to Sam. Oh, I'm, I'm just before you delve into a list, Sam, I'm interested to hear your, like your principles of summer TV watching. Do you like Jordan like to catch up? Do you like to try new things? Do you like to go back to things? You know, <laughs> Rachel, do you go back to Rachel new things, really Jordan? Uh, what, Sam? Do you go back to new things, Jordan? <laughs> yes, I like to go back to new things. I like to uh, rewatch something I've never seen before. I think that's an interesting way to spend my summer. That is interesting. <laughs> also, uh, I'm a time traveler, so it gets even more confusing. <laughs> I'm rewatching it for the first time. Uh, Wait, that makes sense, though. You could rewatch something for the first time. You can watch something. Oh, well, you can rewatch something for the first time. Fair enough. But that's not that. much to watch for the first time to do that right now. Although, obviously, there's always going to be some rewatching. I'm, uh, my mother's watching season one of Homeland right now. So when I'm around, I'm rewatching that, I guess, technically. Huh. Memories of a better show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so ho hopefully, their, uh, their plan of. I guess I can't really spoil Homeland. Hopefully their shit will work out for them. I hear um, season three is going to go in a different and probably better direction, and I'm looking forward to that. But Because season three, the ending had me worried, because it was like, I don't like what what is being foretold here. We will certainly talk about Homeland uh, when the show returns this fall. Uh, I can almost guarantee it. I will probably be writing about it. Um, and I know you'll be watching it, Sam. Uh, yep. Rachel, I don't know, do you watch Homeland? I do indeed watch Homeland. So... I can almost guarantee you there will be at least one segment on Homeland when it comes back this fall. But for now, Sam, what's your summer backlog looking like? Um, uh, I'm trying to – I will hopefully watch Deadwood 
um, which is a an HBO show that I've been wanting to watch for a very long time, and its reputation seems to grow with every passing year since it was taken off the air. Um, so that's definitely one I think I'm going to try to get to this summer. I'm trying to think if there are any. I guess Top of the Lake is probably the big the big show from this year that I didn't get a chance to watch first go around. I watched the first episode, which was good, but I still got to watch that was the one that and the Americans, I think both came out at times that I was just, I was just a little too busy to add a new show to my docket. Um, yeah. And so <clears throat> with both of them, I just figured, well, eventually the season will end and I can sort of just marathon through the whole thing. And so they're on the, my docket for the summer in that regard. Um, the Americans is a good show and a show that I watched in spurts. So I would do like mini marathons. So I think like the full being able to like watch it all fully will be better than having to wait week to week. It's a, just because it's it's one of those shows and we've talked about this trend before, but it's one of those shows that um, tends towards the cinematic. And I think that it works better when you can sit down with all of it. So I think you'll enjoy it in a marathon setting, Jordan. And I have a I have a soft spot for Carrie Russell, not because of Felicity actually, which I never watched, but um because just because you're attracted to her. <laughs> <laughs> well yes, but no, um because of the the film Waitress, which no one ever really watched. Uh, which is also getting made into a Broadway musical. Really? Oh, my God. I thought it was uh, a completely charming movie. Um, I think I loved it way out of proportion with anyone else uh, at the time, either my friends or the critical reception. But I thought it was very charming, totally winning, and I thought she was excellent in it. So I've had a soft spot is, for her ever since. It is being made into a Broadway musical with a score by Sarah Mary Alice. Huh. Oh boy. That like that makes me half excited and half well, maybe I'll just sit that one out. <laughs> it's just two hours of not gonna write you a love yeah, song. Yeah, it's just, yeah, there are there aren't any original songs. The waitress just tells everyone that comes in that they're that she's not going to write them a love song. <laughs> and they're like, But please, just give me pie. Yeah. I don't even want a love song, I just want pie. That was also like right in the era where pie had taken over pop culture. It was uh, a big time for with, pie. With waitress pushing daisies, et cetera. But that's not really what the segment's about. Um, Sam, before we go uh, to Rachel and her backlog, I have to I have to bring up I have Dead Deadwood is on my like permanent back backlog. It's one of uh, what I always refer to as my rainy day shows, where it's like at some point in life I will run out of TV to watch and I will need something great. And uh, Veronica Mars, one of my other rainy day shows, I've gone through this summer as we talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, so I'm not sure that I I want to do Deadwood yet just because I know it's going to be great and I, I it's it'll just be one less great show out there in the ether once I watch it which is probably a weird reason to hold off on watching something but it is what it is <laughs> yeah I'm excited and I figure you know I've watched every episode of How I Met Your Mother I have no reason not to watch a really great show um, <laughs> I think that's right um, so Deadwood is your is your big thing are there other shows that you're looking to catch up on uh, um i feel like deadwood and top of the lake getting through both of those will be plenty just given just okay. given you know work and all that junk right, and exactly the, it'll, the it'll be enough for our day jobs <laughs> yeah i feel like that should that should pretty much hold me over through the summer in addition to me having to go see a bunch of summer movies so right of course uh which we will talk about what in just a few minutes um before that though rach what about you what's your summer backlog looking like well, see, here's my problem with summer backlogs. I, during the summer, like to watch something that's a little comfortable. And that doesn't necessarily have to be something that I have watched in the past, although I do have a tendency to do that. Um, 
but I like to watch something that I know is going to be a sure thing, which might, has been a difficult thing to find right now. I keep going back and forth and wind up tending towards watching things that I've already seen, which I'm trying to get away from at <laughs> West Wing. Um, <laughs> there it is. I, <laughs> the only thing you ever talk about on this podcast. <laughs> is how I watch a lot of West Wing. That's true. I do Oh, you can watch the newsroom this summer. That'll comfort your I soul. I will well, be watching. We're totally talking about that too. when it comes back, but it will, it will be a segment full of vitriol, I guarantee you. <laughs> I am apparently oh, I one of the only people, people who actually enjoys the newsroom, um, but it's okay. Great. Probably so just because you have to come back on the show uh, when we do our newsroom oh segment, talk about how you like it while Sam and <laughs> probably Chris and I spew a lot of our angry feelings at Aaron Sorkin and his uh, incompetence and women-hating uh, in the show. Yes, he doesn't like women. I get it. It's fine. <laughs> Also, why can't he just make up fucking news stories? It's not like when he did the West Wing, it's it's like 9-11 just happened. Although that, machine, that, what are we doing? They did do the 9-11 well, allegory episode. Well, they did, the, but it was an allegory episode, and that was a one-off thing. Yeah. So. No, but, but you're completely right. Although, again, let's save this, and we'll do a newsroom segment next month when it comes back. Um, so... Rachel, what are you going to watch to avoid rewatching the West Wing? Which I swear, I love the West Wing. I've rewatched it a number of times. But Jesus, you need to take a break. <laughs> well, top of the lake, since we've all said it, is um at the top, top of the my list. list. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's the sort of uh, you get here at Review to be named. Yeah. You get what you pay for over here, man. Um, <laughs> um but you know, I think that I'll watch I think I'm a couple of seasons behind on how I met your mother, and now that like shit is happening, I feel like I should go back to it. Uh, but Maybe shit you guys isn't really happening. No. It's not really happening. Just, well I guess you it, could say shit is happening. I mean I guess that's technically is correct. If you're if you have time to watch new television and you use it on how I met your mother, you will hate yourself and you would hate us if we didn't tell you not to watch it. Um, I tried to stop watching the show entirely, and that's me as, like, a diehard fan of the early seasons of the show and someone who's very invested in the mother. Um, earlier this season, I tried to stop watching entirely, and Chris and Sam and uh, Sarah, another one of our writers, and a couple other my friends who don't write for the site, combines into a, a, a sort of, like, intervention group that's that kept me doing something terrible for me and kept me watching the show. <laughs> um, but if you have stopped watching it, you're free. And just use that freedom. Free. I've broken out. I've broken out of the cycle. Um, well, kind of also in line with Top of the Lake, just in terms of, you know, format. Um, the, I want to watch The Fall, which is oh, yes. the new Gillian Anderson, Jamie Dornan. Is it a full series or a mini series, Jordan? Do you it's, know? It's a full British series, so I think it's six episodes. And there it's, will it's be a five second episode, says new Netflix. Um, yeah, I thought it was a British series, and there is going to be a second season. So it is a series yeah. it's just of British length. So, yeah, so I think I'll watch that. And then the big one that I'm going to attempt to pick up this summer, which, fingers crossed, oh is Breaking Bad. I've never seen oh, it. Oh, man. And, that should you know, be really hear, at the top of your list. I hear only good that things. That should be at the top the of problem, your list. The problem with Breaking <laughs> The problem with Breaking Bad is I do have a tendency to kind of want something that I can have on in the background or, like, half oh, sleep no. through. And Breaking no. Bad isn't one of those things. Well, so it's like, I would hope no, it's a like, matter of good finding is one of those things. <laughs> no. It's also, like, Sons of Anarchy, I've heard, is good. Me Has, too. Have either of you watched that? I have. 
It's a it's a show that I hear is good and sort of like it's not like Friday Night Lights, a show that I know would be good if I would ever give myself the chance to watch it, but I just haven't yet. You should. Um, you should. Sons of Anarchy is a show that I hear very good things about uh, from a lot of people that I just don't really have in, much interest in. Um, so it will not be on my backlog anytime soon. Possibly once it's wrapped up, um, I would go through and watch it all. I'm sure it's good. I like a lot of the people who are involved in it, but. It's just not near to the top of my backlog for the moment. And and then the other tact that I think I could take this summer is Netflix just put on just a whole shit ton of animated content. Um, like a lot of Batman car- uh, animated series, a lot of Justice League, a lot of X-Men. Um, and that's also another thing that I'm considering kind of picking up with this summer is like, maybe picking one and watching all of the different series. I've long intended to watch the uh, Bruce Timm, Paul Dini Justice League because they are Batman animated series, obviously. I think we've talked about it on the podcast before. If not, is like one of the formative pop culture experiences in my life and the reason that I'm the diehard Batman fan that I am and was discussing with Chris last week. Um, and, I mean, they to me, they've written some of like the greatest superhero stories I've ever experienced. I... I always have trouble caring about the Justice League for various reasons that we don't really need to get into right now. But if anyone was going to make the Justice League interesting to me, it was it's probably that creative team. So you should definitely put that on your backlog, Rachel, because then you can tell me how good it is and maybe talk me into finally watching it. Well, I have like I've dabbled in animated Justice League. I've watched I remember watching it when I was younger and I remember watching a lot of it with my younger brother, um, who oh my god is graduating from high school next week uh that makes me feel old yeah, um now my younger brother is <laughs> finished his first year of college a couple weeks ago and it's not okay it's terrifying um but i've never like sat down and watched it with anything close to a critical eye so it's something that i'm kind of like thinking i'll maybe watch some um but yeah so breaking bad is would be the big kind of investment show that I would pick up just because I, I feel like I can't continue talking to you guys for that much longer if I don't watch. Well, also, when the show comes back in August and is doing its last eight episodes, it'd be very helpful for you to be caught up because, I mean, I imagine Breaking Bad will probably virtually take over the podcast for a couple weeks. <laughs> very true, very true. So, uh, yeah, I usually like to pick things up just as they're, like, ending on television um, so that I can kind of be part in that kind of cathartic, nostalgic moment when it ends, but um. But also marathon all the way through it. <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. My little brother, uh, who we just were talking about, actually, is also planning on picking up Breaking Bad in the next couple days. He's his summer backlog. He's concluding Twin Peaks right now, which he's finally gotten his way through. Um, and now he wants to watch Breaking Bad before it comes back, which uh. So I may end up like I'm sort of rewatching Homeland, rewatching large swaths of Breaking Bad because, you know. All time, one of my all time favorite shows, probably. It's about to come to an end. Um, so it'd be nice to refresh my memory and look back at some of the greatness before uh, the season comes back. But I just have so much new TV to watch. Indeed. I think that's kind of the theme of, of this entire segment. And uh, one of the advantages of, of summer summer's not really the deadland it was five or ten years ago in TV. You know, there's Under the Dome is coming. There are, uh, I think, a new FX show, a new AMC show. Um, there will be things to watch, and I will probably try to pick those up as well, just because I'd like to try to stay on top of this stuff. But I'm glad summer's still a little bit slower because it gives me time to do things like this. Otherwise, when would I ever catch up with something like The Americans? Um, 
Cool. So any last thoughts before we move on from TV backlogs? Or maybe screw it all. I'll just watch the West Wing again. No, Rachel, no. Uh, the hell did you just say? <laughs> Rachel's going to watch the West Wing again. She's just going to. It's. I feel. I feel like that show. Oh. Is, that show is really good, but come on, you need help. <laughs> <laughs> I just. I just like to watch some episodes. It's just. It makes me feel better about living in Washington. But you're not just watching some episodes. You're watching every episode. That's true. That's true. It's not like you go back it's to Patriots. Like you're just in a permanent loop of rewatching that show, which is like it's a good show. I, don't, I won't. I won't cast aspersions on you for watching it several times, but. But there's so much out there, and you're like you enjoy watching new things too, at least in theory. <laughs> at least in theory. Like you tell me that you enjoy watching new things, and I I believe you despite your pr- proclivity for lying completely. <laughs> I am a big liar. Yeah, pathological. That's true. Um, but okay, don't watch The West Wing again. That's that should be your uh, your mid year resolution. <laughs> okay, I'll do my best, you guys. It's like I feel like this is an intervention, and uh, you know we have we, the listeners can't can't also uh, speak up and, and tell you not to watch it, but they would if they could, I think. Um, why don't we now move on and discuss uh, Man of Steel, Sam? I'm going to kick things over to you. Great. Um, well, Man of Steel is, I think, maybe the big blockbuster, probably the biggest in, in terms of superhero movies to come out this year since we had all the, I guess, the Avengers last year. Um, and Superman has kind of been a superhero that I haven't really loved at all my entire life. I, I watched the the last one that came out, um, on DVD and I, I, I actually fell asleep while I was watching it. So I don't really remember how it ends. I assume it was open up for a sequel that never happened. Um, and I remember watching the Christopher Reeve movies. Not, I don't think I've seen all of them, but the first couple, I think from my youth, um, but I've never really been that into Superman, but now it has been Zack Snyder-fied and produced by Christopher Nolan. Jordan, what do you think of the new Superman movie, Man of Steel? Um, my feelings on it are mixed, so I'll, I'll open up the floor by saying two things. I think for the first time of the Superman movies that I've seen, which is not all of them, and my memory of all of them is actually spotty, there's been sort of a critical reappraisal of, of Brian Singer's Superman Returns that's been going around in the last couple weeks that has made me sort of want to rewatch that, and I definitely need to revisit the Donner films, which I haven't seen since I was very young. Um, so, based on my vague recollections of all of them, and I think this is an accurate statement, I think this is the first Superman movie I've ever seen that felt like it actually matched the scale of Superman's powers in its action sequences. I mean, this is a this is a big, big superhero movie, uh, that really, I think, used Superman's power set and gave him a threat that actually felt like you needed someone as absurdly overpowered as Superman to take care of. Um, so in that respect, I think Man of Steel is actually very good. Uh, in virtually every other respect, I think it's kind of a mess. Um, I don't. I there was no real character development of any character. You know, Clark uh, is sort of there, which is fine because Superman can be a hard character to do interestingly. Um, Lois Lane and, and Perry White, uh, played by Amy Adams and Lawrence Fishburne, are basically glorified extras, I feel like. They're they're there in the movie, but they don't ever feel like characters. Um, 
And I just, I, by the end of the movie, I walked out of it and I was like, I don't know if I spent enough time or enough substantive time with any individual in this movie. I think, like, the only character the film has is destruction. Um, like, there's, there's well-developed things falling down and exploding, but I don't think any of the characters got time to develop, which kind of bothered me. The script is is very... Well, it's David S. Goyer, so it's very, like, I will say the thing you should be thinking right now, and it says some themes that I think would have made for a great Superman movie, but it doesn't really back those up. Um, that being said, I actually think everyone in the cast was really good, um, especially Michael Shannon, who I think I think Zod uh, was set up, you know, again, in exposition as being this very interesting bad guy, and I think Shannon played him as if the movie was giving him much more to do. I think it was a great performance. Um Really, the second uh, great villain performance from someone I like in a movie I don't this summer after Benedict Cumberbatch in Star Trek Into Darkness. Uh, but I think across the board, I think Cavill, uh, Henry Cavill as Superman is actually very well cast and probably up to more than the movie gave him to do. Amy Adams is obviously great. Lawrence Fishburne is great. So there's a lot of potentially good things here. I just don't think the movie ever coalesced for me. What did you think, Sam? Um, I actually – I wasn't such a big fan of Cavill, and I just think because – I think Superman's kind of a shitty part. He's kind of, um, I still think he's kind of bland and I know Superman fans will fight me on that, but I think he's kind of boring just because he's, he's not only a perfect hero, but he's kind of just a perfect guy from the heartland and it's all very sweet and nice. And I, I, I think they try to give Cavill some more interesting Superman or I guess Clark Kent things to do with him kind of traveling around the country trying to figure out who he is. What I think was successful about the movie was I actually think, I think David S. Goyer and Zack Snyder kind of choosing to drill this, this theme about, you know, being the best person you can be regardless of whether you're Superman or just a guy while it was kind of like bash you over the head. Obvious. I'm glad that, that there was that focus on this because I think it's my, it's my favorite part of, I guess it's my favorite thing about the superhero, the Superman, the Superman mythos and that, you know, yeah, Superman, he's basically, he's a God and he's invincible and he has basically every power a superhero could have, but it, it's more, it, 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 it's more about showing what the best humanity has to offer and about being the best person you can be. And I think I think the, the movie wasn't particularly uh, subtle. It didn't really deal with this with like a light touch at all. Um, but I'm glad I'm glad that they hammered this home um, because in terms of like Superman's character, like Clark Kent was pretty bland. I think they didn't do a lot there. I think the supporting members were the highlight of the film for me in terms of the acting. I love Amy Adams and just about everything she does. Lawrence Fishburne was really good. There was the guy from uh, House of Cards, the uh, Kevin Spacey's assistant, and I can just imagine them talking about being in Superman movies. Or and Kevin Spacey uh, and who Schiff, else? Of course, Richard Schiff. Who yeah, Rachel, which I you'll be excited extremely, to see. Yes, I was extremely Probably. pleased to see him, even though he may not be in the sequel. Um, Christopher Maloney. Uh, Christopher Maloney was there also, who I fucking love. Oh yeah, and he was good being an army guy. Um, but yeah, this is like a movie where I liked a bunch of stuff. And there was a bunch of stuff I really didn't like. Yeah, um, I, it was, I, I think it was mixed bag, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I think it was mixed bag. I think ultimately I'm going to say I liked it just because I think if nothing else as a summer 
blockbuster superhero action movie. I think it delivered there. Like you said, I think the action sequences were really, really well done. Uh, Zod and Superman kind of fighting through the sky was kind of had a grandeur that I think the third Matrix movie was going for in the final Neo versus Agent Smith thing that it didn't just deliver on. But I think I think there were moments of grandeur that I think people think this movie was lacking that I think were actually there. I think seeing Superman fly, it, it felt right. It felt kind of majestic and, and cool that I think is kind of difficult to accomplish when you know, the visual of a guy sticking his arms out and flying is kind of hard to sell, I think. And the movie managed to do that pretty well. And I think the action action sequences, even though they were kind of, they were really just about blowing fucking everything up. Um, I still think they were, they were good enough to make uh, it worth the action movie. Yeah, I, I agree. One thing I said, uh, I reviewed the movie over at Review Me Named. Uh, so if you haven't checked it out, ReviewMeNamed.com, obviously, our website. Go check out my review of the movie uh, where I'll talk about some of these things slightly more in depth or, you know, with the foresight of actually having written it as opposed to talking off the top of my head right now. Um, one of the things that I was talking about in the review is I think I think this movie matched Superman in scale physically but never emotionally for me like it really did feel like a superman movie action wise and like i said in a way i've never seen on the screen before and in a way i don't think i've ever seen outside of comics before in superman stories this is a big bombastic action movie um and i think that is in theory good um i wish the emotions had been able to back it up um I agree that they kept hitting home the the hope of Superman, but to me, it felt like everyone kept saying hope and like, you know, stayed lines about how great Superman could be and how he will inspire humanity. But it felt like a fairly bleak movie, actually, and not not even in a way that felt like it was intentionally saying like the world is bleak until Superman arrives to uh, make everything more hopeful. It just felt like everything was very very monochromatic, very. Uh, uh, dramatic and overblown and just not like there wasn't much happiness in this movie and there wasn't much time to to pause for a smile which i feel like is something i would like to see in a superman movie and don't necessarily need in a batman movie and i feel like with christopher nolan's hand behind the scenes here dc uh, and warner brothers idea was sort of to make this into a a superman movie in the style of nolan's batman movies which is fine probably in terms of making a lot of money but not necessarily what i want to see from a superman movie i think part of the hope of superman has to be the fact that he can crack a smile through all this and the fact that he actually does inspire hope. And I never felt particularly hopeful in this movie. I don't know. Did you? Uh, no, not particularly. But then again, I don't well, mind, like, I don't mind that. And I don't, you know, again, I kind of like, I kind of like Nolan's dreary Batman-ness. And I know, I know being the broody superhero is very in right now, but um, it's part of why I love Batman. And I know this isn't, I know this movie is definitely not true really to the spirit of Superman, but I also don't really like Superman. I agree. So I, 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 not... I definitely get that. And I agree to a certain extent. Rich, you were about to say something. I was going to say, I, I obviously haven't seen the movie, but I'm wondering, you know, sequels are already being planned. Do you see, Jordan, you brought up Batman and Nolan. Do you see this as kind of like the Batman begins of this new Superman arc? And, you know, I also want to add that I think you all have problems with plot development because you didn't spend your time just Googling Henry Cavill at every odd second. Yeah, I mean, if you like looking at Henry Cavill, you will like the movie, Rachel, because I, I think um, I, I, I think he's pretty great in the part. I mean, he doesn't get much to do except pose. Um, 
But that's fine. Yeah, Superman's pretty bland. Um, and I think he looks like Clark Kent to me. It's not. It was never a struggle for me to be like, I don't know about this guy, Superman. And I, I think even more so than Brandon Ruth, who I think was also fine as Superman in Superman Returns. Um, he, he just looks like I feel like Clark Kent should look. So because you spend a lot of the movie looking at him, he has the look. Good for him. Uh, and I think you'll enjoy that about it. Um, I don't know. Do, I, do, did it function as well as Batman Begins? I don't think it's as good a movie as Batman Begins by a long shot. Um, I, I, it did, it was sort of an origin story for Superman, but again, like Batman Begins works not, not only because a Batman is a more interesting character in my mind with a more interesting backstory, but also because Batman Begins as a film was really rooted in Bruce Wayne's journey, was really rooted in the idea of why he's becoming this hero and what drives him and you know what his ultimate goals are even that and I think that was all very well laid out in Batman Begins in a way I don't feel like it's laid out in Superman like. <laughs> They say that his goal is to make humanity more hopeful and to, like, guide them into the sun, which is actually, like, the Russell Crowe uh, lines from the trailer are, are probably the high point of the movie for me, because I feel like that is the thesis statement for Superman. But I never felt like we saw him grow into this ideal for humanity. Um, one of the things that, I, that drove me crazy, actually, at the end of this action sequence, and this isn't really a spoiler, though we will get into spoilers in a moment, um, and we'll, again, give a warning before we do. Uh, after all of the city has been sort of raised in this fight, one of the characters says, oh, he saved us. And I just felt like that was completely <laughs> empty. Like, you were supposed to feel hopeful that he'd save someone, but you just saw, like, half the city get destroyed and probably <laughs> hundreds of thousands of people dead. And this one well, girl's like, I'm alive, people. so he saved us. To be fair, this is Superman's first spin in the suit, really. And... But it didn't even really feel like that, you know? It, it never it never connected with me as an origin story. It connected with me as a big old action movie. Um, yeah. But again, like I, the stakes are physical, not emotional. I never felt anything for Superman as a character, and I don't even know that the movie cared to make us feel anything for him. It, it was sort of an afterthought, I think, to watching skyscrapers fall over. <laughs> well, I think I think they try to give us an emotional attachment mostly through uh, Kevin Costner and Diane Lane as his parents, um, which was okay. They were definitely not the highlight of the movie for me. Um, and I also, especially since Kevin Costner wasn't playing baseball at all, but he was in Kansas, so that's <laughs> almost as good. Um, I sort of felt like it, it, the movie does uh, does a, a uh, sort of make, messes up messes with the narrative structure, so that you have flashbacks of those two sprinkled throughout the film. And I thought maybe it's sort of building to something, or maybe there's something larger that's trying to do. At the end of the day, I felt like it was sort of uh, flashy narrative style for flashy narrative style's sake. I don't know that. The way they set it up really added all that much to the movie. Did you? Well, I also I also had had problems with with the I forget what it is the Kent story and Superman because I mean I guess I can talk about this more when we get into kind of spoilery space. But there yeah, was kind of a moment. But go ahead and say whatever. There, not there, were, there was there was a weird uh, dichotomy between what Clark's father was telling him to be at one point in time. Clark's father, not not um, not Russell Crowe, Kevin Costner. Right. When, you know, he was telling him to be something at some point, but then at another point, he's just like, you're going to be a farmer. That's fine. You, do you know what I mean? There is this kind yeah, of like... Yeah, well, and the story was too chopped up to really, like, A, to, to work narratively in terms of, like, necessarily where things were happening, although that particular scene, because it was an older actor, uh, it was actually Cavill. You kind of knew it was later in the story. Um, but there wasn't an arc to the flashbacks because they were so chopped up and they were such little scenes. Well, I think the movie was was really chopped up. It kind of had I had problems with some of the transitions 
uh, the story made, I, I feel like people would just kind of show up in different places. Yeah. In random times. Like, I guess you could be like, oh, I guess Superman flew there really right. quickly. They, you also uh, you don't know, like, how people are showing up someplace. And I wanted to mention we said Richard Ships in the movie. I, I think I'm sure he has a name if you were to look it up. But he's in the yeah. movie a lot. And I never really even learned his name is how, like, little he's developed. He's well, there. He's, he, He's an exposition machine. I mean, he's yeah, he's there for exposition, but also like he, he doesn't even give it. He's just he just I feel like he was just on the screen a lot, which I felt like about a lot of the characters. None of them ever really coalesced for me. And this is like, you know, Christopher Maloney, Richard Schiff, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Amy Adams. This, these are all people I really like. And Michael Shannon as well. Um, it's really a great cast. And none of them really ever got to stretch their wings, I feel like. Um, do we have anything else we want to talk about the movie generally before we move into spoilers for a moment? I'm ready to go into spoilers because I have things I want to talk about. All right. Uh, we're going to now put up the spoiler warning. So if you have not seen the movie, you can either jump off the podcast now or skip a few minutes ahead. Um, if you if you don't care about spoilers, go ahead and keep listening. If you do, it's going to be a couple minutes of us spoiling things you might not want to know before you see the movie. So, Sam, go ahead. Right. Have right. at thee. All right, here we go. I might as well start with the I'm most out of spoilery here. I'm thing. out of here, guys. All right, Rach, I will, I will message you when we are done spoiling. Okay. You can come back to the podcast for the last few minutes. Okay, awesome. All right. All right, go ahead. Done, Rachel? All right. Bye. We'll start with things I had problems with at the end of the movie, since this is as spoilery as the end is, even though it doesn't really spoil any of the story, people might get pissed. Yeah, I don't think anyway. there's any spoilers that would actually piss people off to hear, but I don't like yes. to spoil things Super, for anybody. Superman lives. I mean, Superman <laughs> does not die, and he saves Earth. Um, he stops General Zod. Um, I'd seen some conversation actually about like twists in the movie before I saw it, and then I went back and read the, the conversations after I saw it, and I didn't feel like either of the things they were talking about were twists. What did they consider a twist? Um, one. Uh, now that we're in spoiler territory, I can just say one. They thought it was a twist that Superman does kill Zod. Um, the other thing they thought was a twist was that he ends up at the Daily Planet, which I feel like is how you end a Superman origin story. Yeah, how so. is that a twist at all? It wasn't to me. Although I will admit that it makes absolutely no sense because Clark Kent's resume before this is I'm a drifter. Well, he's just a stringer. You know, he's kind of low down on the totem pole. He's not he's not he's not Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Lois Lane, as she so clearly says. And then proceeds. She says, I want a Pulitzer. Yeah. And then proceeds like, to write Pulitzer about Prize winners off serious the whole movie. Um, I thought that was fine. That was not that was not my problem. My problems with the end were um, there was one scene, oh, when they, when they, when the army general meets uh, Clark in the desert with that chick. Yeah. And she's like, I just think he's hot. Which was like a stupid joke. Um, also, like that was maybe the were they only attempted humor and it didn't work for me. <laughs> what were they talking about, though? It, I felt like when I was watching, it was like that last scene in Psycho where they're just like, well, you see, he was a psycho. <laughs> And like they were just like exp I mean, were they just like explaining things that had just happened? Um. Well, first of all, it was another one of the films I think completely off base stabs at being like politically relevant because Superman crashes the Predator drone down in front of them, and basically is like, I'm gonna go off and do my Superman thing, and I'm gonna he says like hang my cape. Like I imagine it's like the U.S. government's trying to find out where the Fortress of Solitude is basically, and he's like, don't look for me. Uh, right. Oh yeah. Help but you. I found that I found that to be a complete completely useless scene that could Absolutely. have just been cut out um also my bigger problem which is like i think i might be the only person on earth who has issue with this 
the movie ends with a flashback of Clark as a child, and he's running through his lawn while his parents are doing some American shit like, you know, fixing a car or hanging laundry. Um, and he's and he's running around, and he has the red cape on, and he kind of does like his Superman pose. Who is he emulating? Yeah, there is no Superman yet. Who is he being? Yeah, that 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 struggling is the exact same thing. It's it's this moment that's built up is like. It felt like this was the moment that the motions were supposed to land for me, that he's like, I'm Superman. Except he is Superman, so he as a child cannot be playing Superman in the yard. It doesn't make any sense. It would have been fine if there was, like, I actually think it might have been better if there was just, like, another kid who had, like, seen him on the news or something. Yeah. And they went out. Because then it would have shown, like, oh, be the best person you can be. Like, right. That would have that would have landed the emotions of the idea that he's going to inspire humanity. But, but it's him. It him. It's him no wearing a cape in a world where we have no, we, like, nothing about the movie tells us that there are, are superheroes, like, even in pop culture in this world. Yeah. So it, it just, that, I thought the exact same thing. It didn't make any sense to me to have this. And it felt like, here is the emotional point, but there was, like, it was so ludicrous that I, it, I almost wanted to laugh instead of feeling emotional about it. <laughs> Well, I think maybe the point they were going for was, like, this is who he is, and it's, like, inside of him. But he wouldn't have done that if he was a kid. He wouldn't have put on a cape and, like, done the hands-on-the-hips pose, like, the look-how-great-I-am pose. The look on Kevin Costner and Diane Lane's face, it's like, oh, we're so inspired by this kid. But, like, what do they think he's doing, you know? (laughs) Yeah. They're like, what are you doing? This doesn't make any sense. What is a superhero? Right. It's a wordless sequence that really needed words in order to make sense. Because, A, he shouldn't know what a Superman is because Superman doesn't exist. <laughs> and, B, his parents should be like, why do you have that shirt tied around you as if a cape? I'm not – like, capes are things that people wear in, like, the Renaissance, not in modern times. What are you doing? It just yeah, – it didn't work. <laughs> and I didn't, like – I alluded to this a little bit earlier, but I can get into a little bit more specifics. Please. Um, there were scenes where Kevin Costner pretty much directly told a young Clark Kent, like, you have to be better than everyone. Like, you're going to save every, like, you're going to be, like, the greatest or something. You're going to do, like, amazing things. And then later in the movie, right before Kevin Costner dies in the tornado, um, he he's like, like, what's wrong with being just a farmer? That's fine. That's good. And Clark's, like, trying to say, like, I'm trying to be something better. Yeah, like, you told me to do this, like, five minutes ago in the movie flashback. Um, And I thought there was, like, a disconnect there. I get get that there was the uh, Jonathan Kent, Kevin Costner's character, wanting Clark to hide his powers because he was afraid of what would happen. But the, like, the fact that he died in the tornado that Clark could very easily have saved him from. Not only that, Clark could have very easily saved everyone in that situation, but also that they were having like the the conversation that they have at like the beginning of every Spider-Man reboot between uh, the uncle and and uh, Peter. It's just like, you know, it's like I love you very much, but I'm a little disappointed in you right now. And then he dies, and then like you like you know that's like that's how they're gonna pull that. But because it's it's like telling him it's like if if Kevin Costner told him like Clark, I just want you to know something. I'm pregnant with your baby. Right. Now let's continue our our leisurely drive where nothing bad will happen to us. <laughs> or it's like, um, I'm 10 days away from retirement. It was like one yeah, of those. This is my last job. <laughs> um, it, it also, like in Spider-Man, that always makes sense though, because you know that Peter Parker will fail to save his uh, grandfather or his uncle. And that is what will inspire him to become Spider-Man. Right here. It just like, it felt like, well, we're going to kill him off somehow. 
And it was like, A, it didn't feel like that was what inspired him to become Superman, because in fact, like, it never re- the movie never references the fact that he didn't save him again. Uh, and it never even treats it as, like, a huge tragedy that he didn't save him, because it was like, he didn't want to be saved by him. But, yeah, he put, he put the hand out. Right. He's like, he was like, don't yeah, save me, because I don't want you to reveal your powers, which is another aspect that was so underdeveloped that it was like, but he could probably have saved you and not revealed his powers. He's like, he stopped <laughs> the oil rig thing from exploding earlier in the movie. Although It's that not was like there were TV happened. cameras or whatever, and no one would have to know. Right. And he'd stopped the bus and, like, not reveal his powers too much. So, like, we... Well, we, he, he totally revealed his powers there, but it, it didn't turn out to be that big of a deal. Right. We knew he was capable of doing things without the world knowing that there was an alien among them. Um, and so it sort of felt like a needless death. And again, almost like this this moment that was supposed to be big and emotional for me, it was like, you know, and they really recreate the, the Obi-Wan death with him, uh, with him watching his, uh, Jonathan Kent die and going, no, but you're like, uh-huh. you just could, like this was useless. You could have saved him. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess we do have to talk. I, I, I kind of want to wrap this up in a minute, but I guess we do have to talk about the fact that Superman kills Zod, because I know a lot of Superman fans are very upset that Superman has killed someone. Um, personally, I didn't care. Uh, it didn't feel like a big moment to me because the movie doesn't really didn't seem to know how to play a big emotional moment, except to have Henry Cavill go no right after he did it. Um, yeah, there was a lot of going no in this movie. I don't know. I feel like I can understand Batman's no killing anybody. Superman, you can like crush people's brains and stuff like with your hands. Yeah, and like hey, somebody else. Also, it never earlier in the movie said like I will never kill anyone. You know. Right. And look, I, I understand Zod that everyone kept it. saying save everybody, and that was sort of his his mo. But he never he was never once like I won't use my powers to kill. So like when he killed someone, I was like, okay, that kind of made sense there. You save some people. <laughs> um, so I think that was a failure of the movie more than like a, a blasphemy against the character. But so it wasn't it, to you. It wasn't a big deal at all. You're saying. What was that? Oh, I, don't, I mean, not to me. I mean, but I'm sure it's different for uh, big Superman fans who might have wanted to see Zod potentially come back in a later movie. Um, I got. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a sequel, and I'm sure Lex Luthor will be the Well, villain. you saw the LexCorp uh, truck yes. in this. That was like, hint, hint. Well, it was a bigger hint considering it was the only uh, brand in the movie that was not a real-life brand that they wanted you to purchase things from, like right. Sears or Seven Eleven. Like, very product placement heavy. Um, and humorously so, considering basically everything that that was product placed got destroyed 30 seconds later. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Poor Sears. Poor Sears. Oh, and IHOP. IHOP played like... IHOP, I think, was really a character in this movie. I, IHOP is, is actually a better developed character in this movie than virtually any character. <laughs> but also, I liked... Um, I was thinking also about... destroyed. I was thinking about this last night, and it's like, the U.S. government can't find Superman is the point of that drone scene at the end, and yet Lois Lane goes to an IHOP and now knows who he is. Yeah. Well, you know, she's a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist. And the CIA is incompetent, apparently. Um, But also, that was a twist that I guess might piss some people off. I haven't really heard much about that. The idea that Lois does know that Clark is Superman. But to me... She finds out eventually anyway, though, right? I mean, that's... Also, it it avoids this franchise having to do the stupid, like, I can't tell it to you when you're wearing glasses thing that so many other Superman movies have to do. Yes. Yeah, I feel like that's always a problem I have with Superman. It's kind of a silly thing. And I feel like it's okay that Lois knows, you know, Clark is Superman. But I, there's also, like, no reason why anyone else would know Clark is Superman at this point. Because even, like, the newspaper people that got saved by him didn't really get a good look. I don't think like, anyone's really had a good enough look at him except for um, maybe Chris Maloney. 
and yeah. he, he died, so. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I feel like it's, it, it's easy for him to have a secret identity the way the movie set it up, but it's a, a good call for it to not be a secret from Lois because she spent too much time with him. Um, and it's something that always kind of irks me about Superman uh, that the movie just got out of its way. So that's good. Uh, are, we, are we about wrapped up on spoiler talk? I think so. I can honestly say this is my favorite Zack Snyder movie that I've seen. Um, I don't hate Zack Snyder as much as you do, though. Like, I, by no stretch do I think he's a good or even particularly competent director. Um, I think uh, he's competent. He just doesn't make movies I like. I guess, yeah, I, I, I guess competent is a little harsh. Um, and you know what? I feel like this movie looked really good, and he was, and he was finally not beholden to a green screen with everything. And he actually was able to put people in real places, and it looked really nice. Yeah, um, I I didn't hate 300 with the level that you did. I didn't like it really, but I liked Watchmen more than I think most people did. I haven't seen Sucker Punch. I've I haven't heard seen actually, Sucker Punch either. I think it's sort of getting a getting a critical reexamination, sort of like Superman Returns is in the wake of this movie. Um, maybe I'll see it at some point. I just Zack Snyder's never made a movie that I've loved. Man of Steel is not the first Zack Snyder movie that I've loved because I don't love it. Um, but it's fine, uh, and I I will continue to think he's fine. I will continue to think maybe don't give him the reins to franchises I care about, but hey, I'll he see. makes money. Yeah, and I'll probably see the next Zack Snyder movie because I've seen most of them. Um, well, he it, makes he makes a great trailer, and like every other Zack Snyder movie before this, the Superman, uh, the Man of Steel trailer was better than the movie. Oh yeah, the Man of Steel trailer promised great things. The movie basically it gave you every great moment from the movie uh, in a way that like was an emotional crescendo in the trailer and not really in the movie. <laughs> Um, but uh, me saying this is my favorite Zack Snyder movie, you know, is incredibly faint praise. Yeah. And I, I, I what, don't know. Sam, you didn't love Legends of the Guardian, the Owls of Gahul? Oh, yes. The other Zack Snyder movie that I have not seen. Is that a Zack Snyder movie? It is. I did not see that one. No, I've only seen uh, this Watchmen uh, and 300 and his, I think, remake of what was it Dawn of the Dead he remade. Yeah. Um, which fine. 300 I also thought was fine. I know you like virulently disliked it. I thought it was fine. I really disliked 300. I thought Watchmen was pretty good. Not great, obviously not up to the par of the comic book, but like I saw it twice um, in theaters. I enjoyed it that much. I thought it, I thought it was pretty good. Um, that If I had to pick right now off the top of my head, though rewatching I might change my mind, I think that's my favorite Zack Snyder movie of the moment. Um, okay. Though again, like faint praise because I didn't love it. Um, with that, are we are we about ready to shut down the Man of Steel uh, talk and uh, move on into the Rachel Tardif Memorial Award for Best Performance in the Week? Sure. All right. Uh, as as we always do before we announce the award, I should say you can visit our website at reviewbenamed.com. You can follow us on Twitter at reviewbenamed. You can email us about this or any other subject at reviewbenamed at gmail.com. Um, we'd like to hear from you. Now let's close the show down with the uh, Rachel Tardif Memorial Award for Best Performance in the Week. Um, and this one will go out to, I think, again, unsurprisingly, because rarely is this a twist, uh, The Muppets. We love The Muppets. Yay. Two projects we're excited about coming down the pipeline. So please, please, Kermit, come down to the Ruby Named offices, get your trophy and small cash prize, because I think you'd fulfill a dream, lifelong dream of all of us to meet a Muppet. Um, with that, we will be back next week uh, with a happy hour podcast, and we're going to discuss our favorite things of 2013 so far. It's going to be sort of a mid-year review. So join us next week. I think it's going to be a good show. For now, have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye.